We're going to be in Matthew chapter 15 this morning, short portion of scripture. We've been in Matthew for over a year, and so we're in the middle of chapter 15. It says in verse 29, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seen, and they glorified the God of Israel. So what's happening in this story is that Jesus apparently is tired of being around everybody, and so he goes up on the mountain, seemingly probably to pray and spend time with the Father. He goes up on the mountain, and then the multitudes come and follow him up the mountain, uh, bring their friends with them and say, hey, man, we're sick, they're sick, we want you to heal us. And the outcome of, of Jesus healing these guys is it says they glorified the God of Israel. And that's, that's really the whole point of why Jesus ever heals people or, or sets people free. It's not just for the benefit of the individual. It's that, that they would go back and they would glorify the God of Israel. And so when Jesus did miracles and such, it was to draw a crowd so that he could preach the truth of repentance, of bringing people back to relationship with God. And so as we, as we read this this morning... I want to say, uh, first off, you cannot stop people who really want Jesus. Uh, These people tried to get away from Jesus and they found him because they said, man, you have what we want. They brought them to him. How did they bring them to him? Up on the mountain. These people that needed a healing, it was up on the mountain. They had to actually change something about their physical location to come to where the healer was so that they could be set free from that which they had been in bondage to. Being blind, being lame, being maimed, being deaf, all these different things. Now as we walk through this this morning, here's here's the trajectory of what we're doing. Is that uh, obviously, not obvious, it may not be obvious, um, the... I believe in physical healing. I believe if you have any one of those physical ailments, that Jesus can totally set you free. I'm not discounting physical healing at all. But as I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, I think that most of us have our, our physical stuff isn't our number one problem. And so we look at a a, a story about physical healing, and I think of it on such a deeper spiritual level to say, you know what, can God heal us spiritually as well as he can heal us physically? Because it's abundantly clear that God is fine with you walking through life with something in your body not being absolutely perfect. Now, there are healings that happen, but you've got to come up the mountain. You've got to come up the mountain. Because when you come up the mountain, the mute will speak. Now, can you, can you imagine what it must be like not being able to speak, not being able to connect with your fellow man? Like, for me, this sounds like hell on earth. Oh, oh I love talking. I love the sound of my own voice. I've, I've always been a talker my whole entire life. There wasn't a moment when I wasn't and then I became, I didn't come out of my shell one day. I was born out of my shell. And that's just the way I've always been, man. When I was a kindergartner, when I was, I was always the talk, I was the one that they'd put on the side of the classroom because I was talking too much and I'd make friends with that kid. You know, like that was me. That's how I've always been. Now, in God's grace, he's used this gift to let me uh, do what I do as a pastor. But you, you look at these scriptures and you think about these people that were mute and they came and they couldn't speak. 
They couldn't ask for anything, and they couldn't just make conversation. They, they couldn't even speak out at all. Now, uh, in America, it says that there's about 7.5 million people that have a, spe- a speech problem. And that, that isn't just muteness. It's uh, stuttering or uh, a lisp. <clears throat> but there are literal people that cannot speak, either for a physical problem or a spiritual problem. There's only one person that I've met that I know that's an actual mute. Um, it's a gentleman that... Um, he hangs out here in Auburn. He's a, I, I believe him to be homeless because I've seen him down here and I've seen him up in, in Kent and, and I've tried to speak to him and he literally cannot speak. Uh, you see him on the corner and he'll, he'll be holding like a little card and all it says is food. And so whenever I see that guy, oftentimes I'll pull over, I'll give him money because it's clear that he's not a drug addict or any other thing. He's not one of these, you know, modern campers that just doesn't want to get a job. He's literally has a physical problem with his speech. Um, and, and I, and as I've tried to communicate to him, I just think like, man, what would it be like if he could actually tell me his story? What would it be like if he could actually share with me what's going on in his life? In our church, though, uh, and if you're in the foyer any time before or after service, I don't think we have a lot of people around here that are mute in the physical sense. But I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to speak up for Jesus and the truth. Jesus can heal you of that. If he can heal somebody of a physical problem, he can heal somebody of a spiritual problem. If you're afraid to use the mouth that God gave you to speak up for the truth of Jesus, you can come up the mountain and have your mouth be healed and be able to speak up for Jesus. Jesus can heal you of that. Come up to the mountain and get healed. You can get the courage to speak up. He can heal you of your meekness. Now, again, some of you might look and say, well, that's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to talk. Well, you know what? Uh, Try to get me to shut up and it's just as hard. But I do. And, and outside the pulpit, I hope that uh, the way that you view me is I try to listen a lot more than I talk. When I talk to you, I try to listen a lot more than I talk because I'm aware of what's going on. So if you're a talker, you might need to learn a little. But if you can't talk and you can't speak up, this part of the message is for you that you need to speak up. And it doesn't matter whether you were made that way or not. We are a verbal religion. We are a religion that speaks. We are a religion that preaches. We are a religion that talks. And if you say, well, I I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. You signed up for it at the cross. Jesus needs you to speak up. Uh, I I used the example of Brother Tucker, and I didn't ask him whether or not he could be a sermon example, but he's one of our deacons, so you're always a sermon example. And if you've met Brother Tucker, he's he's not overly verbal. He's pretty quiet. Like he doesn't he has a lot to say, but he doesn't, you know, spout off all the time like some of us. But I, but I'll tell you in the time in the years that I've known him, I've been with him in rooms with uh, uh, other people and at times when something needs to be said, dude, this guy's got courage like a lion, man. He ain't afraid to say what needs to be said. He's not and he does it in such a nice, loving like Tucker kind of way where I'm like Oh, you go, Tucker. Man, you just, you slayed that dude with your words, man. Good job. 
The Bible says that we can get the courage to speak up. The Bible says we need to open our mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. The Bible says speak the truth in love that we may grow up in all things to him who is the head. Friend, we are living in a time where there has never been in my life so much rampant immorality, falsehood, idolatry, and wickedness that people have been given themselves over to and the Christians are largely being silent or we're being silenced we don't we don't own big tech companies we don't own Tweetbook and facer you know what i mean we don't have talk talk and gitter you know all that stuff we don't own none of it man and you get on that stuff and they want to silence us they really do they, they don't they don't want to hear what we have to say and and in their minds were bigots and xenophobes and prejudice and all dude I'm just doing what God told me to do and saying what the Bible says man take it over the guy that wrote it man yeah. it's not me saying it it's God saying it and I feel like we have a responsibility to speak up the Bible says in Ephesians 5:11 to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. That's what it says. It says that we're called to expose them. And and, and it's not about being rude or mean. I don't know when telling the truth started becoming mean. Crystal read an article this week that there's people now that are bringing cards to their doctor to tell them not to weigh them in the doctor's office because they they don't want to hear what the doctor has to say. Dude, come on, man. What world are we living in? You know, back way back when, in the dark ages of the 90s, the, the things that preachers talked about was like, stay away from the rock and roll music. Don't smoke the marijuana. I mean, this, this is the stuff they talked about in youth group, right? Don't, don't, don't have sex outside of marriage. Like these, these are the things they talked about in the nineties. We, we don't talk about that stuff anymore because we moved on to bigger and more immoral things. You know, you can, you can leave church today and walk to a shop and buy marijuana in Washington state and no one will even care about it whatsoever. And so when you hear me talking about stuff, you're like, man, why does, why does he seem to be talking about this and not that? It's because that's not an issue with us anymore. That, that, that ship has already sailed. We're here right now. I mean, we're, we're in Seattle, man. We're in the belly of the beast. We're in Sodom. We're behind enemy lines. Out in the Midwest, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, cheating on their grain bill, whatever. You know, but that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not what we talk about out here. I'm sure the issues of, you know, Malvern, Arkansas are not the same issues in Seattle, Washington. The Bible says we always have to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks us a reason. And we need to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. We need to be willing to speak up. And it's not easy. It takes courage. And, and I get it, man. Like, like I said, I was born this way. I, I've never been afraid to speak up. But, but I tell you, I was afraid to speak up about Jesus once I got saved. But I, but I crossed over that bridge when I was in high school. High school is when I decided everybody was going to know I was a Christian. I wore Christian t-shirts and I preached uh, to my friends in the hallways. And I did book reports in my English class on the Bible. I wanted to pray with my fellow athletes. I was always an outspoken guy. But now it took me a year hiding in the shadows before I said, man, I'm living a lie. 
why. I want everybody to know I'm for Jesus. It cost me friendships. It cost me relationships. People didn't invite me places. People didn't want to be around me. But I was fine with it because I wanted to honor God with my mouth. It was the same way in college. It, it continues to be my, uh, my, my same problem, actually, in adulthood. There's a bunch of my college friends that want nothing to do with me because I refuse to shut up about sin. They think I'm some sort of lost person because I refuse to play the game of the world and shut up about sin and a need for repentance. I'm just not going to do it, man. And so if those guys from college don't call me anymore when they're going out and don't want to hang out with me anymore, I really don't care. But, but a lot of you haven't crossed over that bridge to say, you know what, man, I'm done. I want to honor God with my mouth. I want to be that person that speaks up. And it's not about being a jerk. It's just about being honest about being like, man, that ain't cool or that ain't right or that's not what the Bible says. It's about speaking up and inviting people to Jesus, inviting them to church. Now, listen, as I say this, and, and, and some of you might, might have this perception that I never fail. I fail a lot at this, man. I can't tell you how many times I've stood at a checkout line and I've had that feeling of like, oh, and I've got the card in my pocket. I'm like, man, I'm going to invite this person to church. I'm going to tell them Jesus love. I, I bought tracks that I carried around in my back pocket for a week. And I was like, everybody I see, I'm going to give. And then I just, I lose the courage. Yeah. And, I, and then I walk out of the store and I'm like, gosh, I'm such a failure, man. What are you doing? Why didn't you share with that person the truth? Because they've trained us to keep our mouths shut, man. And the truth is, is we need not feel that way at all. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But many of us, myself included, at times act like we're ashamed. We're not bold and we don't speak up when we can. And that, that doesn't honor God. And if we would come up the mountain, we can be healed of that. That, that muteness, that, that inability to be able to speak out and say, you know what, I'm going to be a mouthpiece, mouthpiece for Jesus. Have you ever met someone besides me that can just talk? Like talk, talk. I mean, I'm talking about like, you're like, hey, and they're like, and they're like blather for an hour. If you don't know who that person is in your life, it's you. Right? It's the person you can't hang up on the phone with. It's the person that you're like, well, we got a neighbor like this. I love him to pieces. And I'll see him as we're driving out. And I want to roll down the window and talk. And Crystal locked me. We don't have time for this. <laughs> have time. You get me and him together and we can talk about nothing for a half an hour, man. I always think about how long I've been talking in a conversation. Some people apparently don't. But we've all been given speech. So how do we use that for Jesus? Got to come up the mountain. See, here, here's, here's the part about our faith being, being verbal. Did you know that you have to confess Jesus Christ as Lord? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you believe that in your heart, but you haven't confessed it with your mouth. And so you haven't been transformed by the truth of the gospel. Now, I remember many years ago, Jay and Dan's father, Paul, who's now died on uh, to be in his eternal uh, resting place with Jesus, his full inheritance. I remember his salvation story because he shared it many times. Um, I know your guys' dad's salvation story very well because he shared it with me multiple times. 
He had been going to church for many years. He's been, he had been around churchianity and he was working at King County Metro and a gentleman that he worked with said, we need to do a Bible study together. And so uh, Paul was like, all right, I'll do this study with him. And, and by Paul's words, he said, so I began to meet with him on a regular basis. And I, I don't remember if they went out to lunch or in the break room or whatever. And so the guy had this little book where he was going through and teaching what the scriptures said about God, not what somebody had told him about God. And they got to the point where it talked about confessing Jesus Christ as Savior. And so this gentleman asked Paul, and he said, and he said, do you, do you believe this? And Paul's like, yeah. He said, have you ever confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life? And he goes, I never have. And he said, why don't you do that right now? Right now, as we're seeing, I want you to say it right now. You hear, you hear Paul tell the story, and he said, and something changed in my life when I spoke it. He said, I knew it. He said, but I had never spoke it out loud. I never spoke out that Jesus Christ is Lord over my life. He said, in that moment, my life was changed. I was renewed. I was converted. My life became different. And through that changed the trajectory of your guys' lives because your dad got saved when he spoke out his confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. We need to be people that speak at school and at church and at work and at home in our community. We have to speak up against those who speak against God. I mean, I, I see it many times on, on Facebook. I'll see stuff floating by and, and I just like, eh. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to lovingly say like, hey, this isn't true. We need to speak up for Jesus. We need to speak up when people are gossiping around us. Yes. Say, man, this isn't godly. Don't say that. We need to speak up against racism. Yeah. People say things around us that are racist true racism. We need to speak up when people are slandering other people. Say, hey man, that person isn't in this room. Quit being a coward and say it to their face. You speak up about mistruths. Mistruths. See, this is the big problem is that like, I'm about to preach. All right. So anyway, this is the problem with everything that's going on right now with all the the, the nonsense with the, the, the COVID stuff and all that other stuff is there's so many mistruths that they want you to acquiesce to their mistruths, bury it in a news story, pretend it didn't happen. And some people say like, well, what's the big deal if we wore cloth masks for 18 months that were ineffective when they knew all along we should have been wearing N95s? What's the big deal? The big deal is, is that if you believe one lie, you'll believe another. And if you won't speak up against one lie, then you won't speak up against another. You know, and, and, and I, I don't like to sit up here and waste my time talking about all the COVID nonsense, but it's the time in which we're living in where you're looking at it like, this isn't right. Like, and everybody else is around you is like, it's right. Like, no, this isn't right. Like we're, we're locked down, masked up here. And there's like, I don't know, 45 other states in the union that aren't playing this game anymore. How come they're not dying in droves? And so then like, we're here in our state, like, Hey, can we get a little bit of our freedom back? That was guaranteed to us by the constitution and given to us by God. Can we get that? And they're like, you know what I mean? It's just like, and I'm not a COVID denier, man. I know people that have died. I know it's a horrible thing. And I know that, you know, people uh, have been affected by it. It's just this idea that I have to deny the truth of my eyes and my ears and pretend things aren't the way that they are. And if I speak, even just ask a question, be like, hey, man, does natural immunity count for anything? You are a bigot. Like, what? I don't, I don't. The Netherlands, you can have like, you can either show that you've had the disease and have antibodies or you can get the vaccine. And here it's like, no, you can't. I'm like, yeah, 
that's wrong. I just don't agree with that. And then all of a sudden you say that kind of stuff and now I've gotten off my notes. Anyway, (laughs) use your mouth, man. Say something. Come up to the mountain. Let's see what it says in Acts 18, 9 and 10. This is what it says. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. You know, it's funny when you speak up about Jesus, all of a sudden all the other Christians kind of like get a little boldness. Like, oh, they're going to talk about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. They're going to invite people to church. I'm going to invite people to church. They're going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. He's got many people in that city. Here, here's the other part of it. The lame are going to walk when they come up the mountain. Now, I know you're here this morning. And you're probably like me. You got physical ailments, man. I got problems with for my problems. I mean, I just got physical problems. And, and I prayed for some of them and God has healed them and some of them God has not healed me from. It's abundantly clear that he is completely fine with us walking through this life with things that he's waiting to heal. So, if those things aren't going to be healed, I believe that there is also a lameness of spirit that can be healed to give you strength to go through what you're going through. You, you have some physical problems, but those physical problems aren't really what's holding you back in your spiritual life. You, you've lost the strength to endure. You become spiritually lame. You become spiritually weak. And you, oh, I could, but my, but my spiritual leg doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. No way, man. I, I get it. But, but you need strength to endure. You need strength to do the work. If you're really in this, man, you know what I'm talking about. When you need strength to fight the good fight of faith, you do. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to be strong. And if you've never felt that way, I'm curious how much you're in the fight. Because if you are, it wears on you. Maybe you've, never, maybe you've never experienced what it's like to be weak because you've never tried to be strong. You know, many, uh, many, many years ago, Pastor Jay and I hiked Mailbox Peak. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think it feels like it was eons ago. It was the last time we hiked because Jay told me it was going to be an easy hike. And how many of you have been on Mailbox Peak before? It's four miles up and it's four miles down. And this thing is brutal. I think it's one of the hardest hikes. I mean, short of like, you know, Rainier or one of those other mountains. Like, it's one of the hardest hikes in Washington State. And she's like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. It's like, yeah, he, even now he's like, whatever. I do Spartans for breakfast. Triple Spartan trifecta. Well, he took his chubby pastor up Mount, Mount Mailbox. So, I, you know, the way this mountain works is it like switchbacks, switchbacks, switchbacks. And if you've ever been on like a normal hike, usually what happens is that you get to the top and you can kind of see the trees starting to thin and then you get up to the top and then you get this payoff, right? Like a beautiful view or a lake or a waterfall. And you're like, oh, this is nice. And then you eat some snacks and then you laugh and joke and then you walk back down the mountain and do something else with the rest of your day. And so... <laughs> Me and Pastor Jay walk up this thing, and this dude is like, you know what I mean? I'm like, and so we get up to the clearing to to where I'm like emotionally, I'm like, I can get to the clearing. And so we get to the clearing, and the clearing just gives you a clear view of the mountain that you have to climb. It's so unnerving, man. I mean, and it's, it's like this with big like rocks that you have to step on. 
And so we're hiking up this thing and, and you know, me and Jer boys. And so I don't want to let up, but I was, I was smoked. I've never been more smoked on a hike in my entire life. My legs were starting to shake because I couldn't do any more. I hadn't eaten anything. We're like a hundred yards from the mailbox. And I, they call it, that's why they call it mailbox peak. Cause there's a mailbox there. I literally sat down and, I, and James was like, come on. You know what I mean? Like, this is my whole life. Jay in front of me going, come on. And, and so then I was like, bro, you got it, man. It's good. Like at that point I was literally like from here to the spot away from the mailbox. And it felt better to me to just look at it and walk back down the mountain four miles. I was so smoked, man. It was the only time on a hike. I literally, we had to stop for like a half an hour. I ate some food, regained my strength, and then we're able to finish that last bit to get up to the top. Why do I tell you that story? Spiritually, sometimes it feels that way, right? You just, you're, you're going through it, man. And you figure like, man, if I can just get to this point, it's going to get easier. And then it gets harder. Like, how is this? I felt like I was getting to a point where everything was going to get easier and now it's getting harder. And then you start doing it hard and you start going and your legs start to shake and you're weak and you look at the end of where you need to be. And you're like, you know what, man, forget it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And if you, you want that power and you want that strength, you've got to come up the mountain. You have to. Because if you get in front of Jesus and have him heal you and set you free, you can see what he can do with somebody that doesn't think they have what it takes and he can give you the strength to do what it takes. Amen. Amen. Read your Bible, man. Read this thing. You know, many of you guys, we signed up for that daily Bible reading plan. I know many of you have sloughed off. Get back on it, man. Read your Bible every single day. People, I say, you know, this Bible's a love story. I'm like, I just don't read it that way, man. I read it like a war manual, you know? I mean, there's not a bunch of love stories in the first part. It's all about like going and beating people up and killing them and having the strength of God on your side. It's not like we went and we had lunch and, you know, we related like it's just no. It's a war manual, man. And, And there's so much imagery and talk in the Bible about fighting and winning and victory. That's why the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. He wants you to be able to endure. He wants you to have that strength, but you've got to come up the mountain. I I like watching those um, strongman competitions. Have you guys ever seen those on TV? Where the guys are like throwing stuff and lifting cars. Um, I, I like that. So a few years ago, Crystal and I uh, went to a wedding and I had the opportunity to sit across the table from a guy who's one of the world's strongest men. I don't know where he stack ranks. He's probably in the top five, uh, maybe top three. This dude is a house. Like, boom. The dude, and now don't go looking on your phones because you're going to stop listening to me. Put in your notes and you'll go, his name is Nick Best. And he's been on TV and he's friends with all the guys, but he's just a house, dude. And so we're sitting across from him. <laughs> literally, I, I noticed him first because he was in the front row of the wedding. And he literally had one cheek on separate chairs because he was so big. He's like 340 pounds and like 6% body fat. His neck started at his ears and connected at his shoulders. 
And so I'm sitting there talking to this dude and I'm like, Hey man, can I ask you some stuff about fitness? He's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, cause the dude was just plowing through the food, man. He was eating so much. And I said, how much, how, how much, how many calories do you eat a day? And he said about 13,000. Literally 13,000 calories. I eat about 3,500, okay? Just to, just to live, I have 3,500. 6'5", 230-something pounds, I'm at 3,500 calories a day. So that's literally like four times what I eat in a day. This dude has to eat every single day. And he explained it to me. He said, I have so much muscle mass that it's like a furnace. It just burns so many calories just existing that if I don't keep feeding the machine, I start losing weight on a daily basis. He literally sets his alarm, gets up in the middle of the night and drinks like a protein milkshake and goes back to bed so that he can keep his calories right because he so desperately wants to be strong. He's going to fill himself with what he needs to be strong because he knows he can't be who he needs to be without putting in what he needs to keep him to where he needs to be. There's a sermon in there somewhere. Some of y'all live in that 25 calorie a day diet on the word of God, expecting that you're going to have strength, man. Get to that 13,000 calorie gorging diet, man. See how much stronger you are when you got the word of God inside of you and you can be able to speak to that situation that you're going through. Some of y'all are weak just because you don't know what the word of God says about your situation. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And I know that you say in your heart, like, man, well, I'm weak, pastor. I don't have what it takes. I wasn't born like you. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength, man. That's what our God does. He he strengthens feeble legs. He strengthens feeble spirits. And he says, you know what? I don't need you to be strong in you. I need you to be strong in me. Come up the mountain. You come up the mountain, you see blind seeing, and you begin to see the truth. You get to see the truth, the things that are going on around you. Yes, Jesus can heal you of your physical blindness. It's what he does. He can do it. And if you're blind here this morning, come up after service. Heal like Jesus, set you free. How many of you guys know Pastor Christian and Amanda from uh, Cedar Rapids, my spiritual son? They're coming out for Gabe's wedding. Uh, two weeks from today, he'll be preaching on Sunday morning. Um, I figured he was here, put him to work, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'd be nice for me to have the week off before Gabe's wedding, so I don't have to worry about preaching. But anyway, he's, dude, he's so good. If you've never, you've got to come. He's the best. And, uh, um, so anyway, when him and his wife, Amanda, were doing their ministerial training in Singapore, they went on a mission trip to Indonesia. And so they were doing the Bible way, do things the Bible way, get the Bible results, right? So they go into Indonesia and then they were going to like, Hey, we got to have a service tonight. We got to draw a crowd. What are we going to do? Let's go find some people that need to be healed. So they went and found a guy that was blind. They prayed for him and he received his sight. And, and so then he, I don't know whatever language they speak there. He walked around the whole entire town. was like, Hey, remember me? I was the blind guy, these white people. I don't know where they're from, but they want to talk to us tonight. You guys should come and see what they've done in my life. True story.
story. Ask Christian about it. He's the one that told me about it. And people say, how come stuff like that doesn't happen in America? We don't have time to go into that. But (laughs) maybe you don't need that physical blindness. Maybe you just need your spiritual blindness healed. See the truth of the Savior and the Word and the world. Because really, here's what's happened is that if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to speak directly to you and say you have been blinded by the ethos of the world. There's no hybrid Christianity. Like you are either a follower of Jesus or you're a follower of the ways of the world. And you can't mix the two of these together because what you, you just become spiritually blind by that. And so you, you've got to get, you get your blinders lifted. You've got, you've got to be able to see things the way that God wants you to see them. And, and, and in this world, the people that have been blinded by the ethos of the world, what happens is, is they start to celebrate immorality. They start to celebrate lawlessness. They start, they start to turn uh, politics into idolatry. I mean, they, they call evil good and good evil. They, they think that they're doing God a favor by lambasting Christian people. And, and, and this is the world in which we live in. They're, they're, they're like, it's just nonsensical, bizarro world. I was reading an article that up in King County, they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to put car thieves and house burglars into jail or not. So if someone, well, and they said, well, maybe if someone done a lot of burglaries or a lot of car, car thieves, then, then they'll be like, what world are you living in, man? And they talk about, it's the reason why it's Romans 13, where it's like, well, if they don't bear the sword as Romans 13 said they, they should do, then of course there's not going to be any order. There's going to be crime everywhere. Even the old Testament had a lot of things about crime and punishment. Do things the Bible way, get the Bible results. You know, it's funny, you go to Singapore, they don't even chew gum in Singapore. Why? Because you go to jail for it. You get a DUI in Singapore, you lose your license for life. One DUI. Yeah, so you talk to Christians like, yeah, man, you can ride the subway at three o'clock in the morning and no one messes with you because they still do public canings down there. Yeah, and they're a very industrialized nation. Man, so let's start caning thieves, cutting off their thumbs. I mean, some, some of those countries, they still cut off thumbs. And they're like, if they're like, hey, dad, how come your friend doesn't have a thumb? Because he's a thief. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that's kind of macabre, isn't it? What's worse, putting us out there with all these miscreants that control us? Yeah. People are unbelievably blind. They celebrate wickedness and cover for those who do it. Second Corinthians, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Jesus said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. If you ever wondered why somebody doesn't want to become a Christian, I'll explain it to you. It's because they love wickedness. It's because they want to live sexually immoral lives. It really is. They, they don't have a problem with the uh, loving song Jesus. They don't have a problem with the hang out and spread the bark Jesus. What they have a problem with is the Jesus that says one man, one woman, and that's the standard. And, and so what happens is, is that society has come to this place. And, 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 and I don't have a problem saying it because I want to say it now before YouTube cancels me for saying it homosexuality is not compatible with Christianity. And so people, even as I say it, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that he said it. This is what the Christians have believed for 2,000 years. 
but now it's a problem. Why? Because society is pushing it. Uh, Gallup did a poll from 2012 to 2000 now. The amount of people that have identified as homosexual, LGBT, all that other stuff has doubled since 2012. People erroneously think that homosexuals, if they, if you ask a person how many homosexuals there in America, they're not probably 30 or 40 percent. That's what people would say based on the representation that you see. Real numbers about 5.5 percent that identify that way. People say, well, what's the big deal? How are they ruining you? I don't care what those people do. You can do whatever you want on your side of the street. What I care about is bringing it into a church and trying to make me not being able to say this is not of God. It's not of God. It destroys the image of Christ and His church. And then people say, man, why why are you banging on homosexuals? Uh, Listen, you envious, greedy, adultering, fornicator, miscreants. You're just as evil, and God hates that wickedness as well. He does. And so don't think that I'm just like, oh, well, you know, he's just banging on those people. I'm not, man. The reason why is because that kind of stuff gets celebrated all the time. And they want to make you pretend that it's not the way that it is. To be blind to it. You know what's funny is that you, know, you think about the people that are mute, right? 7.5 million people that are mute in a, that have speech impediments. How often do you see those people uh, portrayed in movies? How often? There's five characters. One of them is homosexual. That's 20% representation. Yeah. When it's just a false representation. Yeah. Why? Because they want to train you to look at the world a certain way. Yeah. <sighs> They want people to live with no restraints. They want to live morally how they want. They want to believe that God isn't true and that the Bible's a lie. So we have to pray as they did in Acts to open their eyes in order to turn them from their darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those. That needs to be our prayer, that we may not be blinded by the God of this world. And, and, and this, this is not the time that we begin to go soft and accepting of the things that are not of God. The time is growing short that we can speak up against these things. There's literally going to come a time where, uh, honestly, we'll have to stop uh, live streaming stuff. We're going to have to lock the doors and only allow certain people in because they're going to criminal. They're going to. They're already criminalizing speech. They're already censoring, they're already shutting people down just by asking questions. I joked before the service with Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan, if you don't know who he is, he's a podcaster on this app called Spotify, right? He used to do that show Fear Factor where they made people eat like spiders and roaches. Remember that guy? So now all of a sudden, Joe Rogan that talks about aliens and MMA fighters... The whole entire media establishment, including our own president, says more needs to be done about Joe Rogan's misinformation. Listen, if you're so dumb that you can't listen to Joe Rogan talk about aliens and not do something different with your life, you can't be helped. Okay? You can't be helped. It's censorship, man. And, and it's the reason why I speak up sometimes. People say, oh, you're just being brash for brashness sake. Sometimes I am. Why? Because censorship hurts all of us. It's a war of words, and I'm fine waging a war of words. What I'm not fine with is them shutting down simple things that people should be allowed to say. Facebook, Twitter, all the major news organizations try to shut everything down to keep people from saying stuff that it's no problem with just... If you're going to say something and convince me, then shame on me. But you should be able to say whatever you want, man. This is America. Above the social ills of today. I'm sorry, I'm a little fired up today. Is that okay? 
We have to be able to see the truth of our salvation, man. So much more important. But one bleeds over to the other. If you'll believe a lie in this area, and then someone comes to you and says, you know, Jesus is the only way to heaven. You're like, is he? Lies bleed into lies, man. That's why you have to have separation. This is what it says in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. You see that phrase? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Leave that up here. That you might know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory and the inheritance of the saints. I don't care how much degrees you have or anything else. If you know Jesus, you know his truth, you know his word, you can look at something and be like, hey man, I don't think this is very godly to what they're doing here. I don't think that's right because your eyes have been enlightened with understanding. Now, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian and you don't believe, your prayer is very simple. God, open up my spiritual eyes. Help me understand what you're trying to tell me. Come up the mountain, be at the foot of Jesus and say, heal my eyes to be able to see clearly because I don't want to be blinded. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to believe something that isn't true. I don't want to be led astray. You should want that. This is why Jesus came for physical blindness and spiritual blindness to be cured. That's why he said, therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. The Bible says in Isaiah, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. In John 9, it says, for judgment, I've come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. And what does that mean? Jesus is saying there's people that think they know what they're seeing, but they don't know what they're seeing because they're blind. And the people that know that they're blind, at least they can say, I need to see. And so for us, we want to come up that mountain. We want to come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, heal me. Here's the promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus is that the maimed will be made whole. Full of Jesus, man. It's it's interesting in the scripture, it says that the lame, the blind, the mute, and the maimed. Now, maimed to me is kind of a catch-all. Maimed says, there's something with you and you haven't been made perfect yet, right? Because he said the lame, the blind, the deaf, the mute, but the maimed, what's the maimed? Maimed are those people that, man, there's something wrong with you and it just hadn't been fixed yet. You need Mr. Jesus to come in and fix you. You can't be where you need to be spiritually because everything hasn't been fixed in you physically, And the Bible says that Jesus healed all of them up on this mountain, all of them. But they came up the mountain, right? You you have to come up whatever proverbial, physical, spiritual mountain you need to come up to be made whole. The Bible promises you sight. The the Bible promises you strength. You have to do what it takes. You've got to muster up the courage to get to Jesus. And if you and if you know someone that doesn't have that strength, bring them up the mountain. Bring them up and say, you know what? I know a friend who doesn't have strength. I'm going to bring them along with me. I'm going to I'm going to bring them up the mountain so that they can be healed by this Jesus. Yeah. You know, this morning uh, during first service, um, how many of you guys know uh, Sister Jessica? I think she they were at first service. Jessica Bergens, you yeah. guys know Jessica? She's, uh, her and Billy are such great people. Yeah. And she, uh, <laughs> I love how God works. She comes up to me at, uh, during first service and she says, Pastor, I've got to tell you something. She said, I, I've been I've been thinking about this till since Friday, and I, God said, I need to tell you this. 
Now, if you don't, if you don't know about Jessica, uh, Jessica's a combat veteran in the U.S. Army. And when I say combat veteran, she didn't ride in convoys. I mean, she sent rounds, she received rounds, she, you know, blood, guts, all that other stuff. I mean, she, she lived a movie. That's literally what she did. And so, um, you know, she's had a, a, a lot of steps to get to where she needs to be now because of the effects that um, the war in Iraq had on her. Now, she says to me, and, and we're up here in the front of worship, and she goes, I just, I can't not say this to you, and I don't know if this helps your sermon or anything else, but God said, I need to tell you this. I wanted to kill myself for so many years just because of my pain. She goes, but when I got into the presence of Jesus, he took it from me. And I don't want to kill myself anymore. And I want to live. I, I've been made whole. She goes, I don't know if you can use that for your sermon, but if you want to, you can. The Bible says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's what he does. The hands of Jesus make whole, completely whole, no longer maimed. You come up to the mountain, man, be made whole. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So if, you, if you're at that place in your life where you feel like I can't get any traction, that you don't have what it takes, that you're not good enough, or you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, he's more than enough. Yes. He can heal you of your sin, of your muteness, of your blindness, of your lameness. You can be made whole. And here's the part, man, is that when you're maimed, sometimes you get healed, but there's still the memory... <laughs> Sometimes I preach so hard, my back spasms. <sighs> Sitting here talking about being made whole, my back is just <laughs> blaring. That's fine though, because when I get, oh, it comes from here. <sighs> There's always memories of that pain, man. There's memories of that trauma, and for some reason you start to think, well, if I can remember it, it must not have, I must not have been healed from it. It's not the way Jesus works, man. Your scars are your testimony, man. That, test, that testimony is something that's going to heal other people. And, and you don't, don't get caught up in this like, well, my testimony isn't like everybody else's testimony, so how can God use a person like me? God saved you from something. He set you free from something. He's a healer, man. It says it in Jeremiah. I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. You know, I told Pastor Amber this morning that I was going to use her as a sermon example, so she sat in the back. <laughs> She didn't know what I was going to say. And, and then uh, she goes, this isn't how it works. She goes, you're supposed to call me and ask if you can use me as a sermon example. I said, no. I said, you're one of the employees, man. And then she cut me off. She goes, this is not other duties as assigned. Because <laughs> that's what I always say all the time when I, for stuff. And she hates it when I tell this story, but I love telling it because it's such a testimony. You know, Pastor Amber was the very first uh, uh, employee that I hired here at Faith and Victory Church. And so um, she was also the very first person that I fired at Faith and Victory Church. 
um, because when she first started, she was not doing well at all. And I, and I don't know what it was, but she just like, I remember we, I, we didn't have a building to meet in or whatever. So she'd come over to the house and I'd have staff meeting with Amber and just beat her up because there's no one else to beat up. And then one day I was just like, dude, this is not working and you're done, man. We got to get somebody else. And so she left. And then she called me back a couple hours later and she goes, can I, can I do the kids though? Can I still do the kid part? And I was like, hey, let me, hey, hey, let me tell my, I told you you had to do the kids. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess that does make you look worse. I'll let you say that. So she said, for those of you that are watching online, the kid here, she said, she goes, no, you told me I had to still do the kids. Okay. And it sounds like something I would say. Cause we didn't have anybody else. Like, 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 yeah. And that was the one she didn't want to do. She said, let me do the admin stuff. I don't want to deal with the kids. Can I finish my sermon? Now she's the best. Started a school that's got 40 kids in it. Killing the children's ministry. It's the largest ministry that we have in this church with the most volunteers. She's had three kids and in the midst of it started a degree and finished that as well. Dude. Pastor Amber's been made whole. She's been made whole, man. Been set free. She's been she's been made so whole that you know, I think about how like I couldn't wait to get rid of her. Now I'm praying that she never leaves. I'm so dependent on everything that she does because she's so beautiful at everything that she does. Amber, I'm unbelievably proud of you. You're the best. You're a living example. Two more scriptures and then we're going to go eat. (laughs) Come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his light. Scripture that this uh, church is named after. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Faith and victory in Jesus name. Be made whole. Just come up the mountain, man. Come up the mountain and be healed of your muteness. Be healed of your blindness. Be healed of your lameness and be made whole. No longer maimed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to invite you to become one. Either you've made a decision to follow Jesus or you haven't. If you've never made that decision, I want to encourage you to do so right now. It's quite easy, man. You just say, you know, I'm done living for myself. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And then just give your life to Jesus. He'll convert you. He'll set you free. And if you've never made that decision, you'd like to do it for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that? Hand held high. Now, maybe you said that prayer before. You say, you know, Pastor, I said that prayer very long ago. But I've, I've, never, uh, I've never been in the place that I'm at right now that I've walked away from that. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to, back to him because I've been living for myself. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now.
touched your heart, man. Maybe you've been spiritually blind or lame or you haven't been speaking up, been maimed. Just ask Mr. Jesus to heal you today. Just quietly say, Lord, heal me of this. Let me walk in your truth. Father, we come up the mountain today. We come before you asking for that healing, asking to be set free. Father, we know that you can do it. So we come to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I'd like morning. to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.